clear. We are the weirdos. I am God. What? I tried to warn her. So where does, like, Jason X is, is a movie that I feel like you watch it now, and I feel like it, in the way that the next Jason, I think that will come after that, is Freddy Versus. It is, yeah. In 2003. When Another we, spoof of the franchise, to be fair. Yeah. Yet, yet again. Um, but in a very different way. Yeah, in a in a very we are gonna we are going to revel in this time and be completely not self aware about this time and its pitfalls and its poisons. Um, whereas I think with Jason X, we see the last we see our we're seeing some of the last vestiges of the '90s in horror because mm-hmm. I think when you watch this movie, it feels like a really fucking 90s experiment it does there is like for it is the most for a pre-existing ip i think it's the closest you could come to an original conceit for a part 10 of a franchise that a person could do like this feels completely this feels like if if friday the 13th is a planet this is the most distant moon revolt barely within the grips of that planet's gravity holding it into orbit around it and i think there was i think there was a permission structure in the late 90s when probably this would have started gestating that allowed for that kind of sheer oddity that we find in jason x that by the time we hit next jason in 2003 has been siphoned out mm. of at, le- at the very least the franchise machine and like you said Sam like you've established like we have the era of the remix has been so fully established that people are putting out songs to then remix them there wasn't a, there wasn't right. like a, a song that Diddy was behind in the 2000s that was not put out to have in a remix at, like the 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 mantra of this is the, the remix. remix is is something that is like in our consciousness from that time because you were just wait like songs would open and you would hear like beats popping moving and then it was like oh someone's gonna announce it's the remix this the remix welcome to my hood let's go remix remix the remix was what you were looking forward to because you knew it was inevitable and so i think it is very interesting that this remix is allowed to feel so distinct and um, kind of wonderfully imperfect in a way that we have absolutely zero tolerance for just one to two years following that for like the next 10 years subsequently. For the Jason Crazy fans out there, I, I know you don't listen to this podcast because these this podcast is for people with taste. But <laughs> if you're out there and you're like, what the fuck? This was in development for 10 years. It's like, girl, all the Jason movies were in development for 10 years. So relax, <laughs> no first off. Second. And also, that puts it at about 1990, 1991, which still makes it, it makes it an even more 90s comment, concept asshats. For every one movie that actually gets made, there are 50 more versions that don't. And so why I'm making this mm. argument is that that why did this version get made in this moment? That's a great question. And that's why right. we're here. That's why we're here to explore the remix. Why now? I think when you open on this film, because, you know, we had our reactions at the opening. This It's a, it's not quite a Psycho Sweet 16, like, oh my God, what did I rent opening? But <laughs> it is questionable. I mean, other than um, Lexa Doig, I don't know how to say her name. I think it's Les- Lexa Doig, who plays Rowan is LaFontaine. Is like, beautiful? Yes. Oh my God. Outstanding. Rowan is the final girl of my dreams, um, played by a Filipina actress at a time when we were only casting white final She's girls. So, so excellent. Um, I will... She, like, basically the FBI captures Jason, and they, in 2008, I guess it's supposed to be, and they're going to execute him, and at the last minute, they decide that they're going to cryogenically freeze him, and what we have is Jason hanging on chains in the wettest warehouse room. (laughs) I wrote, why is it so wet? There is water... All over the floor. There is. This place is not up to code. This place has been leaking for an eternity. And it's just the dank basement that they're suspending Jason on, on chains. And he has his machete on him. <laughs> he, they, he's still got it. What is it on a keychain? <laughs> Tucked into his belt. An entity of the law that is taking so seriously neutralizing Jason for all of eternity. They are really sleeping on the fucking job. They're playing fast and loose with this wet warehouse. Because <laughs> the one soldier who they have watching him is like, oh, I can't stand that he's looking at me. So he throws his jacket on Jason. 
And then we come back and Jason has pulled a Chris Angel and somehow <laughs> the guy under the jacket is the soldier who's dead. And Jason It's a my it's a total mind freak moment. And somehow, because you know Jason, you know how he is. He shows up wherever he wants, whenever he wants, but we don't actually see how. In this giant vacant open room. <laughs> That somehow nobody sees him standing right Gets the there. jump on everyone. Amazing. Incredible. This is why Jason is an icon who can transcend uh, generations and centuries. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's true. But, you know, his, 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 his magic, whatever kind of fucking magic's in that thing, uh, machete, <laughs> is so strong that when they shut the door on him or um, he, like, shoves it like through. Like the cryogenic tube thing. Yeah. And Rowan. Oh, right, yeah. Rowan is stabbed and then immediately frozen from the stuff that comes out of it because then they seal this giant warehouse room and somehow there was enough yeah. stuff to freeze him and her and the whole room yeah. for <laughs> until until the year uh 20 million. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. So We're, it's yeah. like a fucking century, man. So look. It's 2455. 2455. 24 centuries. He is placed in like a very specific cryogenic tube machine. And then, and it's like under, it's, you know, world building. It's understood <laughs> like that you need this machine yep. in order to be safely cryogenically frozen. And then he punches through it with his machete. And the entire room somehow manages to become a cryogenic chamber that safely freezes our best yeah, hero. Yeah, 100% well. yep. airtight, like, lockdown shit, man. Everybody inside. We are, yeah, so day, moment one, five minutes into the movie, it's like, okay, we are suspending our disbelief. That's going to be one of these movies. Well, no, that's what we should be doing. <laughs> but that is we not what everybody there. did. I think that uh, so much of the audience saw that opening scene and they were like, this is a bad movie. Instead of going, hmm, what's the tone of this film? Different. <laughs> Okay, right. like right. adjust your expectations for the kind of movie it is. So then everything that came after, if you were in that theater, if that opening scene speaks to you, everything that came after, pure delight. If it doesn't, <laughs> everything after, uh, people took it like an assault on the franchise. <laughs> it is. I will say, I think it, I think, I think that's the right word for it, Sam. I think, I think experiencing this movie, it, to me, it is, it is the Jason that could most be defined as pure delight. I agree. Yeah. Pure delight. I think that um, speaking as like the resident um, Gen Z millennial cusp on the podcast, <laughs> yeah, please. Um, I would say that I think that like this movie is truly a Gen Z movie. Okay. <laughs> Tell me why. Tell me everything. Tell me everything. Ahead of its time and perfect for the Gen Z audience because we are irony pilled completely just like queens of sarcasm, mm-hmm. kings of tongue in cheek, not taking anything seriously and being unable to take things seriously to such an extent that we can't have serious conversations or feel real feelings. Um, and we're all going to pay for it in 20 years, uh, in therapy. But, um, in the meantime, I think that like, I mean, this is my first watch of Jason X watching it with you guys and it helps to watch it with people who love it. But, um, but I honestly think watching it in a theater with people my age right now, everyone would be like, oh, I get it. It's irony. (laughs) May I, may I ask? Can I switch generations? We are. Come on in. We are. You've been drafted onto the team. Uh, the Margot, the franchise representative for the Gen Z draft, will be picking Sam Weinman for her first pick of the first round. Thank you, um, <laughs> Mike. Because we are we are a podcast of sort of like origins and underlying stories, and you know the the reasons for why things were. Why are Why are you irony pilled? Why? Oh my why? God! I can't get into this. I mean, <laughs> the poisoning of the world, late stage capitalism, okay. like et cetera, et cetera. Is we, that? Is it? Is it? Is it, <laughs> it? Great! No, that's that's. I'll a, get that, my soapbox out, and I can step on do it. Do it! Get on it! What? Sam just spent minutes telling us why Britney Spears is the reason for Jason X. Four that hours. Is exactly. Doing that. Four hours. Okay, but Sam prepared that speech beforehand, and I. Well, I mean, I've been saying it in my head cuff, for years, but. but. Well, fair. <laughs> you're the greatest. You're the greatest resident source on your own experience. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fine. you don't have to if you don't want to, but I do sincerely <laughs> want to know the answer. I'm not just like picking. I really do want to know. I mean, okay. I think that this is. I believe that um, we exist in growing up in the time that I did, uh-huh. and the time that younger people than me are growing up, which is like an even more heightened version of this. We're living in this time where. Um, 
globalization has gotten so huge and capitalism has gotten so all encompassing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that we can't um, really see the forest for the trees anymore. We can't identify like what uh, we can't like pull apart the intricate threads of what it means to be alive and have impact in the world. And I think that's like, you know, there's that bit in the good place where it's like, Oh, like when, your grandmother bought a bouquet of flowers for her friend. It was a plus one, like, good deed for heaven. Yeah. Because, like, you bought the flowers and gave them to your friend. But now when you buy a bouquet of flowers for your friend, it's like a plus – it's like a minus one because of, like, the abuse and exploitation of industrial workers or, like, field laborers or whatever in order to – get those flowers into your hands and pass them along and like the pesticides and damage to the planet that so it's like that sort of thing it's like we can't see we just know that the effect of our actions Mm -hmm. is impossible to trace and everything that comes to us is impossible to trace and I think this overall feeling of like disconnection and and like floating in this like complete abyss of not being able to understand ourselves or anything else in the world Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. has resulted in this um, inability to like take anything seriously or inability to and also just like the inundation of like constant trauma from like constant school shootings constant mass shootings constant terrorism and horrible like mistrust of our go- government like there's so many different ways in which we're just like falling apart at the seams and I think the coping mechanism that people my age have found is to just be like it's all funny. Like sure, none okay. of it matters. And if we just can't take it seriously, we just have to like have fun with it. Cause uh, otherwise we will kill that ourselves. Makes so much sense. And make it really ties into the movie. <laughs> no. And I, and my one follow up from that would, would be is I, my, my, I promise I won't make you do that. Uh, like so extensively more. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really, really want to know. Um, uh, I think Thank it's you. a, when, was there ever a time in your like adolescent life forward? Because I think I think a a key difference between like how we the reason why we do this podcast is because I would say that mine and Sam's set of people and above we didn't start talking like you were just talking right now until mm-hmm. relatively recently in our lives compared to where that language could have come where it came in in yours like I feel like that's a kind of vernacular that you have been using in your life that I do not have an equivalent for at those earlier age demarcations and so therefore we talk about the 2000s because we're like Mm. hey guys do you remember we were all fucking living through this thing and never discussing what was really going on and what it really meant that is what is so amazing about the aughts you're exactly right like it's not that this has started happening in like within my lifetime, it was already happening in the 90s and certainly happening in the aughts and happening potentially at its most heinous in the aughts, (laughs) which is why it's such an interesting period to discuss. But I think it's that exact fun, like cognitive dissonance. Yes, we were afforded cognitive dissonance at the time that I don't know that you ever were. Aware. And when we started to become aware of what was happening to us, the decade had passed and- and then we started to suffer through the 2010s. But like the, the aughts is this perfect little like liminal space of like things are as bad as they're as bad culturally as ever. Yeah. As they've ever been Pop and about to get worse. But we're not talking about it yet. <laughs> nope. Now we are. Certainly not in real time. And there was there was in its way like that ignorance afforded the luxury of being able to even if, you know, I don't like that people didn't like the things that, like, if they, I didn't like that they shit on things like House of Wax and stuff like that. It afforded a luxury of not looking deeper below to see why we liked or rejected or, like, embraced or pushed back on things. And I think Jason X is a very interesting example of, like, that time of where there was no, there was no reflex at the time in 2001 for people to step back and look at the Friday the 13th franchise from a 30,000 foot view and be like, guys, this is why we should be really grateful that we're getting Jason X and that Jason's going to space and that Zaddy Jason is really hot and that we have this (laughs) stand-up comic Fembot who is here who's going to save the day. Like, and that it is camp. We, 
did not take the time as a general population to contextualize why within the franchise this was a fascinating gem of a creation instead of just like, this doesn't make me feel the things that this franchise is supposed to make me feel. And mm. I think that I think that is why it feels better to watch now even than it did then, even when I had fun with it in 2001. I think also it's very gay. And I, and I want to share why. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, and, and we will get into this because I want to hear your perspective on this because you two have just talked so much about the queerness of robots. And I love that. I love your chemistry together. And I love how smart you two are. Um, I, but <laughs> I, gotcha. I am just writing Margot's coattails. Uh, so I'm going to say some cheap, easy shit that is definitely not smart. Um, this movie is really gay because there are the the costumes are amazing. They yeah, every yes. th- so in the future we just have to know you they've swapped everything comfortable for uncomfortable. So it's like mm-hmm. you know what makes uh, sense remarkably similar to the two thousands the future. You know what makes <laughs> sense a, a crop top that is uh, that's nice and breezy. No, it's a sweater, but they just cut it short. Yeah. Uh, the all of the sweaters are gonna be belly shorts. You know what makes sense a wall that is soft but chairs that are hard. Like it is everything. I mean, it's really just like just look. It's like even like there's like a metal blanket, but like a soft mm-hmm. like. But the, I don't know. But the the clothes in are like fuzzy. Like what? <laughs> I mean, so it, I love it. I just love the imagination. That's queer. Also, I think it's very queer the way that the characters interact with one another. Mm. <laughs> it's just you. It feels like they're all other. I mean, or at least the ones you root for. This, is, this ship is an island of misfit toys as far as the people that we meet are concerned. We are in the part of the ship that no one else wants to fucking go to because these people are all weirdos. And anytime... And the two... Sorry, oh, the one quick thing is just that anytime we are introduced to people that aren't the weirdos, their, their shelf life is very short. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was literally about to say. Like the two heteros who are like so fucking horny for each other Jesus. the whole movie are like universally hated like we're not rooting for them and we want them to not be alive anymore or at least the dude he's a big boy i bet he's hung like a mammoth Mm. Mm. (laughs) okay you guys you know what just get the hell out of here and come back when you're more focused and then the guy who's fucking his robot creation that's queer, team. Like, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> That's queer. That is botcast. It's queer. It's botcast. And it becomes queerer the further along we go. Is it gender, Margot? Is it gender? It's It becomes girl boss. <laughs> <laughs> well, she she begins as slave, so she becomes girl boss. Yeah, but then she transforms into sexy slave, sexy leather outfit. We did not get a chance <laughs> to talk about this. And I would... Sexy Dom action star. I want to know mm-hmm. your thoughts about... KM in general like obviously we're introduced to her as kind of like the sidekick assistant and she arcs throughout the piece tell me about it best arc best arc in the movie literally feminism like she is introduced I think she's described as this like I don't even remember this like hacker nerd's name but she's described as his little Love bot. Easy, Janessa. Oh. oh, that's right. And Rowan is like, God, it's so real. And she immediately says, I am real. I, like, I am real. I'm real. I'm real. I'm a woman. Thank you. <laughs> Let me scroll through my notes on her because I'm, I'm obsessed with No, her. it is I. The way that that pinged with me after having done a season of Botcast with you, Margot, I was ready to jump through the screen and slap that woman in the face on behalf of KM. I know. It's so real. Go kill yourself. <laughs> I love. And then she gets her upload. So, okay. She gets her upload and she becomes like Terminator hot, sexy, sexy leather. And she's like, gotcha. And she like shoots him full of bullets. And it's so hot. She's queen she bitch. Really I wrote, she looks queen so good. Bitch. I wrote, she shoots his machete arm off. She shoots his leg off. She shoots his face off. Then she throws his own machete at him. Yep. Stop. And she's loving all of it. She's not just dutifully yeah. she's doing this. She's it. rejoicing in the procedure yes. of being yes. a fucking alpha. Of being yes. now soldier fembot. Of, as you said, ascending to a Terminator form. It's true. And like in true horror sequel fashion, she appropriates the phallic weapon <laughs> and penetrates the bad guy with it, which is very gender. 
Yes. <laughs> then he punches her head off. Uh, and her, also like, a I horrific moment movie. for yeah. everybody who loves her, who loves Kan. Well, it is. Horrific. I love an unmasking. You know, I love an unmasking. Um, yes. I love like the reveal of wires. It's that's the first time we really see. Although the first time we meet her, I didn't even mention the most important part about Kan. We meet her tits out. Yep. 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 Yeah. Tits out, nipples off, and she's putting nipples on. Yes. And she's like, "Is this better? Do you like this more? What do you think?" Hmm. Do you like them? They're fine. Look, KM, I don't think this is going to work. Why do you want those things anyways? Janessa has them. Well, Janessa's... Real? Yes. Now that is gender. (laughs) That is gender. That is camp. Camp isn't real, but if it were... That is fucking queer. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, hey, I need to fit into this space to get what i need and so can i mm-hmm. uh, does this work is this is this yeah, working my for fake, you did the fake nipples look better on my fake tits but i am real yeah right <laughs> right that's i the there's also there's a moment when she says uh because she keeps her sense of humor about it all like when she gets her head punched off she's like i clap if i could like later on and it's like <laughs> that's what I, yes. all right km like she is she her is own. She is a stand-up comedian. She, she's, she's giving her routine even without a body. And I think for the constraints of the time, I think it is. I think it. It's one of those things where I wonder how much of KM having, I think, perhaps the best arc in the entire movie, and even yeah. getting to because it seems like that character is going to be expendable at a certain point. Like when her head gets punched off, it's yeah, like feels it like feels like a betrayal back. of this character that you love so much. But it turns out that like everything's stored in the brain, and her her minder, her creator, spends the you know short rest of the movie carrying around her disembodied head in his in the crook of his arm, and she keeps making jokes. And as Margot so rightly pointed out when we were watching it, just keeps blinking that they are gonna get the most out of that fucking prop you paid for the it entire and time you gonna know. she's she's gonna constantly <laughs> blink so you know that km is still with us and i wonder if it's one of those things of like did you for the purposes of comedic effect accident into giving us a like fembot co-survival girl yeah who ends that up isn't like yeah, that isn't like a stereotype of like a strong female character. She just is. I I'm always hesitant because you two are the experts. I'm hesitant to be like, uh, to like one. yes my way through something and be like this totally works. But when I watch it, I'm just like so shocked every time. Like I'm like this is gonna be the watch where I see it, and I'm gonna have to right? stop watching. Or this is gonna be the time I see the thing I missed, and it just doesn't happen because like as you mentioned. You like this the best arc in the movie goes to Cam. The second best arc in the movie goes to Rowan, our final girl. And mm-hmm. that's because her she opens calling her it and just being like, Oh, it, yes. is this is it real or whatever? And at the end, when everybody's about to leave, she's like, We have to go back in for KM. And she goes yes. back in, acknowledging that KM is a fucking person that is worthy yeah. of life. And she goes and gets her because Rowan has to grow too. Like even though she's our final girl from the past and she we see her kind of like badass her way through this situation where nobody listens and believes her, which is, you know, pretty standard issue for a final girl. This moment requires her to grow and we get to see it. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't feel accidental mm-hmm. to me. I think you're so right. It's truly intersectional feminism she she grows from her biases and saves a fellow woman that at first she did not think was a valid woman yes oh i love that she shook off her turf dumb and saved our bestie cam bestie cam <laughs> well i think too that we're built to we're built to sort of expect that that character is going to be uh like a shield right you know oh, for right. for the the real characters for the the human characters in the way that aside and of course you know we can't separate like it is it is a white fembot it is still a fembot that is afforded privileges of passing who is beautiful and who is thin and who is white um so you know there is there's caps on the revolution of course offset by but a I very weird still... haircut though right that does not take yes. the, points down, the privilege points down a little bit i mean but that's how that's how we ex- that's how we made that was how we made sure you knew it was like a kooky sci-fi yeah, at that time yeah. like galaxy no, quest totally, missy pile's yeah. hair it was like hey guys it's the it's the future there are chunky bangs and symmetrical bobs <laughs> <laughs> and so I think it is I think it's 
we watched movies that came after this for the podcast that had far less respect for their robots mm. yes than this did far less care given i also think that final like little quip that she does at the end when she's still ahead and she's like i'll be back on my feet in no time as soon as i have some i'll get right on it yeah that (laughs) aside from being funny is like the most fun part of robots is that they can rebuild themselves and they can like, I would love to see the legs she finally gets and how cool they look. I hope and she if gets they're to choose. Like big, strong Jason X legs. Like I hope she gets an upgrade to look as hot as Jason X does. I agree. And okay. So what makes Jason like at least part, is it cyborg or what's the terminology when something's part robot? He is a cyborg. Okay, great. Margo, my, I def- mean, define okay. that so- for our Otspod <laughs> listeners. I, um, this is not like scholarly definitive. This is my opinion of the difference. I want to say that off the bat. All right, guys, if you're listening, don't cancel Margo. Yeah, don't cancel me. But I feel that, um, robots slash androids are like machines that are built by people or by other machines and that have like souls or personalities that make them human-like. And cyborgs are humans that have been altered by electronics to be like, quote unquote, upgraded or improved or altered in some way so that their humanity is thrown into question. Okay. Jason X, kind of an interesting example, because Jason's already superhuman, basically a god. Yeah. He can't die. Yes. <laughs> he can't be stopped. But he can he continue to decompose everywhere. Ugh. Oh, my God. I love how much his head is, like, bigger than his Me mask too. and just, like, growing into it. Such Me a too. fun Dude, detail. find a bigger mask. But, uh, Dude, seriously, stab some people at a dick Sporting Goods. You know? Like, you can figure <laughs> this out. You don't need to keep wearing that. Um, uh, but he does... I think he becomes, by by being upgraded into the machine and becoming a cyborg, he does become even stronger and more powerful and more virile and masculine. Um, so it's Yeah, it is gender. like a performative thing. <laughs> yeah, no, because, okay. Yeah. To, to recap the technology in this movie, by the way, um, Tim Cook is it must be a huge Jason X fan because this movie invented FaceTime. It invented AirPods. <laughs> um, and then there's like this weird trick that happens. Like if you lose an arm, you can just put like a suction thing on it and it just kind of holds everything in oh place until you go over I to this that. machine and nanobots come on and they reconnect the your, nanobots. they reconnect your flesh. Where this comes into play is that like, Miss Frozen in Time, our our final girl, like the nanobots come over her and like reconstruct her frozen body and fix what's. They literally do her hair. They they do her hair. They give her they a light makeup. They flat iron <laughs> her. Like it's like it's it's good. It's good. These these mm-hmm. these things they they have a good shop going, and they and so taste. of course when they make <laughs> good job. Yes. and so when halfway through this movie when Jason is like completely obliterated. Well, he accidentally gets shot backwards onto this little nanobot table and the nanobots attempt to rebuild him and they rebuild Mm -hmm. him as half very hot. Well, actually all very hot, but like half machine, half like very muscular man. I'm guessing this is like what Jason would have looked like if he just hit the gym every fucking day instead of killed people at a lake. Right. And if he was on like a serious HGH program. You can't get this way without. I actually... No. I, I want to make this argument, and you're allowed to disagree, but I think that Jason, as a bi, what am I trying to say? As a biological being, Jason as as a meat person, um, is not hot, and only the only once he becomes partially mechanical, I think yeah, like the machine right. parts make him hot. They do. Oh. And he's Jason would rather be a cyborg than a goddess, Margo. He literally, yeah. I mean, he, the the nanobots are like, I know what's hot, being a machine. The nanobots aren't <laughs> fucking around. I mean, obviously we've seen them give a makeover. They know what they're doing. Yeah. They know what they're doing. And they were right. They're I right love the it. idea of the nanobots imposing robot beauty standards <laughs> onto Jason and being like, we're going to upgrade That's you. queer. And it works. 
for the best. That's queer. queer. That's drag. <laughs> also queer, and I know this is unintentional, but I'm gonna fucking take it. The best kill, like, take so it. when Jason like wakes up because like he's basically yeah. there's some pee going in V, and so he's like, Ooh! you know what I mean? Like, okay, now's <laughs> the time. It's like there's this moment where like he's in the room and there's like a rainbow light reflected over it, across his face. It's like rainbow Jason. I want to take that and turn it into a GIF, a sticker, uh, put it on my bag. Rainbow Jason. That's it. Has that found its way? Has that found its way into a happy birthday Barbie? Not yet, but it will. And then. Is that the kill where he nitrates? Yeah. No, that's exactly it. Tell us. Because that's what. (laughs) Well, he, you know, the rainbow, the the straight sex and the rainbow wakes him up and he's like, I got to do something. And then he takes this woman's face. Is it a woman? Is it? And he dunks it in a liquid nitroglycerin. And then, so it becomes hard as a rock, and then he smashes it. And we see, like, all the yummy frozen innards, and it's absolutely the best kill I've ever seen. Top top three kill in the series. You know what? The 90s 90s really knew how to do um, liquid nitrogen. Like, we've really lost our way. Like, Demolition Man, Terminator 2, like... Liquid nitrogen was a quintessential part of our obliteration fantasies in the 90s, and we've strayed too far. And he's like, it looks mm-hmm. good. Like, she's screaming into the liquid nitrogen as her face freezes up, and it Cute. sounds crisp, Amazing. and she smashes, like, a frozen Crunchy. pumpkin on that table. And it's like, I mean, <laughs> I seriously, it's breathtaking. And you would think, okay, did this just write a cash, or write a check that it can't cash? But no. Because <laughs> later, there's like, there, there are so many good kills. Like, there's one moment when yeah. Jason gets dropped onto a giant, what can only be described as screw. Oh my God. And somebody calls in to the corkscrew. soldier. A corkscrew. And it's like, what's his status of the dead guy? And she's like, he's screwed. Oh, and he also drops onto that screw and rotates, and rotates. like 10 times. Yeah. It takes like two full minutes for him to die. It looks like a giant propeller like in the water for an outboard motor. But my favorite like, kill in the whole thing has to be, well, no, I mean, it's probably that one, but this one's like favorite setup for a kill. It's when sure. they have like in the future, you know, they have video games that apparently like nobody can see unless these headsets are on except for Jason because he can see it exclusively. Um, at any moment <laughs> his mask gives him such yep. power and so he's like so they set it to be Camp Crystal Lake at the 80s and they even programmed two like 80s counts- counselors and they're just like we love marital sex it is a perfect satirization of what the series is they're saying like we know we know that's what this is and I love that and then he beats the their sleeping bags against a tree perfect it's a perfect scene it's it's an excellent scene. It's the one of the least gory kills. It's probably the least gory kill, but it is the most evocative. Like he hits those zipped up sleeping bags against a tree like 10 yeah. times. And it's just like those people are too They do not now. stop. No, and <laughs> that actor is going so hard at those sleeping bags that it's just like, oh, that's <laughs> like, people died in there. People died. In I believe bags. that actors died in there. Yeah. Maybe yeah. the most lackluster kill, but I will say when Jason causes them to just crash through the most fragile oh space God. station of all time, which I guess, you know, <laughs> technically all space stations are pretty fragile, but this one just happens to be a city. I mean, it really is Jason's made biggest body count. completely out of, out of sugar glass. I mean, this is, it's made out of stuntman glass. And in a really fun twist, after they crash through it, and you're like, wow, these people aren't going to make it. Then the whole thing just explodes. It just blows up. Like, there was, like, a base of dynamite below <laughs> It was the whole the thing city. full of gas. Just, like, <laughs> exactly. amazing. It is. The entire thing is made of, the entire thing is made of combustibles and the thinnest single pane glass. It's like, oh, maybe like a few people on the bottom floors of those towers survive. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's so no. satisfying, the kills in this. And even like when he fights back, although our girl Janessa, we haven't brought her up. Janessa. Janessa, you're so right. Janessa, the one who has nipples that KM wants to emulate. Yeah. Yes. Do these yes. look like Janessa's? Yeah. <laughs> Janessa, well, what a reveal. I mean, they're they're pretty great other than being made of metal because um, that clink. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> Janessa is if, like, Janessa's the gayest character, even though she's not. Like, she's, like, she's out there being yeah. a, a sex worker. Not, I mean, she's to get her grade. <laughs> 
And she's not there like in a sad way. She's having a great time doing it. Exploiting this professor. Yeah, she really is. Looking cute around the ship. Having a comeback for everybody. She even like before she dies, like the part of the ship sucks out. And she looks at it and she's like. Oh, this sucks on so many levels. Because here's the thing about Janessa. Janessa knows her spotlight's about to end. And there's <laughs> yeah. never a she's bad like... time to deliver a good line. That that icon behavior. That that truly. the fact that Jason X manages to pull off multiple moments because the 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 sort of military like lieutenant as well who we are sad to say goodbye oh, to yeah. at a certain point like the number of people that you're bummed to see go it's in Jason so hard X to see him go actually lovable. incredibly impressive and yeah. you don't even have to think you don't even have to see KM go you just like are worried you're sure that you did but thank god we did it he even has that line where it's like it's gonna take more than that and like Jason like pushes it further he's like yeah that ought to do it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> icon on icon this ship this, this movie, this is why, like, what you were saying, Sam, like, this movie is a remix of a classic. Like, it is so much funnier and quippier. It knows what it's doing. It's, like, enjoying the meta deliciousness. Yes. It's so, it was ahead of its time. Sam, my question, my question for you would be, of all the Jasons, which one feels like if it got released today? Which one to you feels like the one that it would play the best? I mean, if it was as like a new release in 2022 today, I'll be real. I think it's this one. I think it's this one because if like there are a lot of fans of part two because it's a great final girl, but also it's a great final girl for when it existed. Um, yeah. Part four is great. Part six is great, particularly six because, uh, you know, she's too young director. Tom McLaughlin directed it. So icon. That guy. Uh, speaking of. Incredible fucking director. sneaky Incredible master craft. of cinema. What? Tom McLaughlin. What a fucking brilliant genius. And that still <laughs> plays well today. But I would say that nothing has aged quite as well as Jason X. And I think it. I think it's. Mi- I think our Gen Z millennial cusp correspondent. I think has made the case for that. <laughs> Though, ha- because horror bros. I mean, we haven't talked about them in a while, and by that I mean like what thirty five minutes. But I just think that like there has been such a a gatekeeping that happens the in hard, horror. But the horror bros work even harder when they decide that something's not cool or it doesn't work for them. Then it doesn't work for anybody, and there's like a great shame to have it. Right? Like you're not going to go see mm. as much Jason X merchandise. Well, at least until recently. Any at any horror convention, but you you won't be hard pressed to find Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. God, I don't know why everybody loves that one, but the three D one. But like that's gonna be everywhere, right? So it's like Jason X, like the Halloween costume. You can't even find it. By the way, yeah. interestingly, the Halloween costume came out a year early because they didn't. They ended up pushing the release date, and so Jason X costumes weren't available the Halloween after it came out. They were only available the Halloween before. What? Wow. I honestly think that's funny because, like, the way that they marketed this movie was so, like, heavy on the Jason becomes a cyborg part of it, right? Like, wasn't it so heavily, like, in this one, he's a robot. That's what the movie's about, even though that's the last, like, 15 minutes of the movie. It really is so. I wish it came sooner, honestly. Which again, Jason takes Manhattan. Jason takes the alley. Jason takes yeah, the boat. this is <laughs> Jason. Jason and, and when you watch the, the, comer- the commercial, when you watch the trailer, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's like that is the advertisement. It is evil gets an upgrade. That's the tagline, but it doesn't get the right, upgrade until right. ten minutes before it's over. So you know, right. So it makes sense that like while they're doing all that poor attempt at marketing, they're also like shoving the costumes out there so everyone is like getting excited about it and it also makes sense that by the following halloween people were like yeah like i don't really i don't really like this movie he wasn't really like even a robot for that long (laughs) in it yeah yeah (laughs) it it just wasn't i had to make my my jason x costume by hand and i did that's so sad it's so cute it's so cute, guys. I hand I painted this mask, but well, he's so but yeah. That'll, that'll be another Sam Wyman fiddle that I'll look at and be like, I don't know that Sam Wyman. You don't know that's that a Sam. different Sam Wyman than I recognize. No, he's different. But it, you know what? It is why I met. This is so weird that it's tying together. But um, Amy, who played Friday the Thirteenth Part Two's final girl, mm. I was dressed as Jason X wow. when I met her, and we ended up hitting it off and went to dinner. And that was before I was a filmmaker, so it was oh, just like lovely. super fun. But anyways, Jason X. 
opening doors. Sam, you're making friends everywhere. Every time I see pictures of Sam before he had facial hair, I'm like, yes, I don't know that man. But I'm nope. also like, is that man Darren Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I, that, I am honored because that guy is hot. Um, I would like to bring up, uh, because speaking of Jason Lives, what happened after this movie? Because Jason mm, Lives. <laughs> so in 2005... Mm. something happens when I'm working at Borders because full turnaround going from Hollywood there video go. to Borders. We've got to have it. Borders has to be on the pod. So at the time I was like in working inventory and um, we were putting out our mass market paperbacks and lo and behold, in January of 2005, we get two in stock. One is the novelization of Jason X, which by the way, at this time, novelizations <sighs> always came out before the movie as a way to promote it. And worst case, it was such a big hit that they did it right after. This was not a hit, and this wasn't before. This is 2005. It was just, they just sneezed it out afterwards. (laughs) And side by side is a book that says Jason X, The Experiment. It is like, (gasps) basically, part, it's it's fanfic of what would happen (gasps) if the series kept going. And then there are three more installments after that, totaling five Jason X books that happened from 2005 to 2006. I'm hearing limited series. I need I'm you hearing, to know. Let's bring it to Netflix. I have, I'm hearing Margot's in development. I have been searching <laughs> my whole life for these because I didn't buy them then. No. I know. I know. It's so poor, you guys. <laughs> but well, they I, cost like $400 on eBay now. They do. Yeah. They're about $100 each, sometimes more. I mean, like part three goes for like 150 I think. They are so much. And the reason why, this is kind of like fun fact about the past, but it's because we, it used to be more expensive to mail a book back than it was to buy a book. And so if you worked at a bookstore, the mass market (laughs) paperbacks in order to return them, like if you had CDs or DVDs that didn't sell, you send them back to the company, you get the money back, right? The store gets the money back. But with mass market paperbacks, they were like, fuck it, keep them, just destroy the book. You just have to rip the cover off and scan the cover and send back the covers. And so what happened is all these books that didn't sell because they were only mass market paperbacks and they weren't what are referred to as quality paperbacks or even hardcover, which is usually the order. It starts hardcover, goes to QP, ends at mass market. These were just mass market, which means they were all destroyed. Wow. That's so fucked up. Isn't that wild? And also terrible. Yeah. Where can Who published them? Where can we find the manuscript? We need them. Who do I need to email? We need them. <laughs> Also in 2005, um, Jason X, there was like a a limited comic that came out that was effectively a sequel, but it wasn't about KM, so who cares? Yeah, actually, that's a really good point. When we make the limited series, it's going to be KM and Rowan are going to be dating and the protagonist. Yes! Oh my God, Margo, I want that. (laughs) This is the stewardship of the Friday the 13th franchise I've been waiting for to sincerely enjoy the Friday the 13th franchise. (laughs) In addition to weird Jason X ship that pops up, there's just one more thing. In 2006, a comic called that was a sequel to the sequel came out called Jason versus Jason X. And it was like the people back on the ship tried to put Jason back together using body parts of dead people with the, with oh the bots, God. the nanobots. And so basically oh it ends up being Jason versus Uber Jason. So that is really fun. Yeah. I think that's a really cool concept. So that's the season finale. Yeah. Like the only person <laughs> who can defeat Jason X is himself. Yep. Yeah. The pure. And then it's like technology versus nature. Like who's stronger. Oh my God. It writes itself. The, it writes itself. Isn't it wild that there's like a whole <laughs> fucking Jason X universe out there and everybody was like, mm, no thanks. And so they destroyed it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like this movie, because it's so like it's set in the future. It's the only one that's set in the future. It's set in fucking space. Like it does so much world building. Yeah. And then they just like leave it behind. And there's like a whole limited series. there. <laughs> it's just waiting to be discovered or written or directed. And I'm down. I'll, I'll, I, I will. I will bear that cross. So, Sam, as as the person who came in with the novel framing for this, is yeah. there is there an exit framing that you would like to give to Jason X with all the ground we've covered here? Well, interestingly, um, Jason X fell apart. Obviously, that was 2002, and then the video release subsequently was uh, also 2002. And so, and 2002 was the year of uh, J-Lo's, like, uh, the peak J-Lo album, right, with the remix stuff. But it was also the year that Jessica Simpson released hers and it kind of failed. The remix shit started to die out because I think what ended up happening in Ott's culture is that desire for um, more but different 
ended up having to be mm. uh, choices. Like we we did a hard turn in 04, really really promptly after 03, but really in 04 towards like independent music artists and alternative culture. We had scene, then we had indie, and then we like sure. as as in uh, as expression modes of expression and clothing. Yeah. I remember uh, 94.7 NRK pop rock alternative was Yeah. Yeah. I think there was something that were what worked about the remix was monoculture, right? Like it right. was knowing that there was an alt that was cooler and maybe nobody knew about or people and that became the the dominant culture. And that could only last so long because we were changing so quickly. And I do actually think mm. partially because of technology um, and access to choices, we were able to find things that were closer to what we wanted, except we forgot about all the things that happened in this very moment. And I think Jason X was a part of what was forgotten. Mm. I think you're exactly right. Well, that's such an, and, and as we know, you know, of course, from talking so much about it on this podcast, like, 2001 is the bridge year in millennium Mm -hmm. era horror between what came before 9-11 and what came after and the stylistic tonal emotional nationalistically distinct styles of horror where there's i mean jason x is ultimately too sincere to survive in a landscape that comes after freddy versus jason yeah Um, so maybe it's like I mean, I remember my, my rant about how irony-pilled it is. I think it's more that, like, we the, – since the, the tongue-in-cheek humor mm-hmm. and, like, meta-irony of Jason X, you can only appreciate it from a place of, like – from a sense of humor, a little bit of distance, but also, like, a genuine love for, like, getting on board with what they're bringing you. Yes. And I think, like, the resistance at the time was, like – was potentially this beginning of this push away from sincerity towards like, no, I'm not like feeling that hard. Like I'm resisting those feelings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when we see, when it opens with Jason, like just being absolutely ridiculous from moment one yeah, and like the, <laughs> the silliness of the cryogenic room and stuff, I think you're exactly right that a lot of people were like, this is, asking me to meet it where it's at and I don't want to do that anymore (laughs) yeah and I think too I think I I think going like the idea that that notion of like meeting it where it is at I think it is a very I think it's a very acute example of the pervasiveness of the original image of what these franchises are and how difficult it is for a certain demographic of watcher to dissociate a new entry from the original impetus of the feelings that it created in them and judging everything that comes after still by like Friday one, Friday two, TCM one, TCM two. And like, even though the, the last Leatherface movie that came out was I had a hoot and a holler of a time watching it. People were so outraged by what that movie was and the comparisons still to movies that came out in like 1974 or 1984 and why that movie was a bastardization Mm. of what had happened 40 years prior is like the I, I think what you see in Jason X is something that is so far from the darlings of the genesis of something that is beloved and enshrined in pop culture that I think it is a perfect example of the protectiveness the corrosive protectiveness of franchises and what has kept them so stayed for so 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 long in so many places because of reactions like that something that's phrase corrosive protectiveness that's so well said i would (laughs) i would love to steal a phrase from um vintage clothing stores and flea markets everywhere and label this film as a y2k horror specifically like you know when you're at a vintage shop and it's like it's not Mm. odds it's not 2000s if it says y2k Y2K. on it it means it's like it really is like the year 2000 it is a specific kind of look and i think that jason and urban legends final cut belong in the same club which is like the last breath of y2k before it took a hard hit to post 9-11 horror and I think you're so right because Y2K was so much about the future too. Yeah. Like it was so much about like, what if we were 30 years in the future and things were a little bit different? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think you're right with 9-11 came this like return to like a deep like desire to be very, very present and very like on earth in America, like 
maybe even in the past before 9-11 happened Mm -hmm. (laughs) and make things that were products of times before that time and 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 mash them together um out garishly with the most sort of aesthetically superficial era perhaps that we had experienced in pop culture maybe ever and if not ever in a vacuum I think ever contextually with the amount of media exposure that came with that aesthetic and the amount that it was sort of pumped out to people and that and the amount that they consume I think that that makes the impact of the superficiality exceed that where you might have had decades that were I don't know maybe similarly vapid I don't want to claim that anything any era that I lived through invented something in history when it could have just been a a repopulation of it (laughs) but I think the amount and the the amount and volume that we could expose of culture Mm -hmm. I think amplified the effects of how deleteriously presented um, women and queer folks and binaries and the United States of America nationalist messaging were at the time. Which, again, makes this little freak in space in Jason X. I think that's a really good point you guys make about, like, the Y2K of it. Like, we sincerely were on one about computers and robots in the mid to late 90s. Like, I fucking love that entire era of hackers virtuosity lawnmower man the era of the internet is going to kill us and reactions to that in film and i think jason is a very cheeky extension of that too which is a very fun cultural cultural time capsule well because i forced not forced but i really pushed hard for us to do this film i'm curious thank god um that aside from uh the uh obvious like the climate change moment where that's why earth one died. Ugh, I love that being so prophetic. And God. anyways, but uh, I mean, I don't love it because that's where we live, but yeah. Uh, what I want to ask is why, what makes this odds Tyrion for each of you? Mm. Margo. I don't want to go first. <laughs> I think, um, I think what makes this movie odds Tyrion for me is where we see in a time that is about to, in a time that is going to run screaming towards burnout on remix, reboot, remake, mm. I think what we see in Jason X is a one of those great examples of something that gets thrown into the, the pile of that conversation of just like abuse, IP abuse and lackadaisical approach to bringing like old franchises back for the sake of cash grabs i think it is a great example of actually how because that conversation became so all-consuming it made no room for exceptions to rules i think that rule actually isn't as hard and fast as people would like to think it is or at least previously thought it previously thought it was but i think it is a perfect little gem of an exception to that where it's like no i think you guys at a certain point just started to paint with a very broad brush that all of these things were bad and it stopped you from being curious enough upon watching something to see what made it distinct from what came before and then with so much that has happened since that time even in just that in franchises generally I think to look at it and be like it's one of those where you could look at it and be like wow we didn't know how good we had it did we like we didn't know how good we had it when Jason could fucking go to space when at a time when like it's a gag about Fast and the Furious, it's like, hey, next thing you know, they're going to go to space. And they basically did an F9. And so like the way that people will follow a franchise like F9, like, like Fast and the Furious anywhere, we see that in Jason X, that franchise did exactly the hyperbolic thing that people are kind of clamoring for now that I think people have rejoiced a lot in, in something like RRR and like the weirdly nationalist way of exoticizing Indian cinema to make it seem like this movie is like some special exception to the rule when it's actually really indicative of larger Indian cinema generally in action, but like that's a whole other conversation. But I think, yeah, I think for me, it's a nice little treasure of like, wow, if only at the time, if, if we knew then what we know now, we would have known to celebrate something so strange and unique in this at a time that was about to go into something that was so much more homogenized and machine produced. This movie actually feels like a fucking Sundance film by comparison <laughs> to a lot of the big shiny stuff that we're going to get coming in the later in the 2000s. Well, that was a really smart answer and I should have gone first is what I'm learning, <laughs> but fine. Um, I think this... <laughs> What makes this Austerion is, um, <laughs> I think I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for your answer. You're so intimidating, Jordan. <laughs> um, I mean, look, we have a fembot character that is like better written than almost any fembot that came out. In, Listen, yes, you know that has come out since or before, and I think that um, 
you know, if we were to, if I were to choose a handful of movies from the aughts to put in a time capsule and have aliens open uh, in the year 3000, yeah. I would definitely, like, I think that this would, in this would absolutely encompass the remix phenomenon mm-hmm, that you're mm-hmm. describing, Sam, the end of a franchise jumping the shark that a 10th installment of an already like cannibalized franchise uh, is trying to do the like Y2K obsession with the future, as well as being low key a fantastic movie. (laughs) Yes. One that I would want aliens to see and think, okay, honestly, these humans, they have fun. Yeah. (laughs) They had a good time and they really stepped up for the most part to take care of each other. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it may not be accurate, but I love it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, there are good people out there. And uh, and they are all in fuzzy crop tops. Mm-hmm. So, Sam, exactly. what makes it Austerion to you, then? Um, I I just, I love both of your answers. Uh, so the only thing I'll add is... Uh, Margaret's like, why didn't I go third so I could say that? Well, yeah, I, was, I mean, I asked you guys because I was like, I thought I was getting out of it. I thought I did all the talking. I'm like, listen, I Wade Robson remix. You got it. You've got your homework. You all know where you're going. Um, no, I just this this movie is um, special to me, not just because it has sentimental value or not just because I used to hide in the Dropbox at Hollywood Video and take it by reaching out through it and grabbing it, <laughs> scaring people. Kid, yes. But it's actually because like it's a good movie. It's a good it's movie. It's a really good movie. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, even Heike. And I think more people like. We don't nothing. Ots Tyrion. This is our mission, and we need to canonize these films. But this mm-hmm. is um, bottom of the totem pole, and it shouldn't be. Just objectively, yeah, go off, go off. You know what I think is really important about this conversation, too, Sam. Tell me. It is so shocking to me. I would never have predicted how many times in this season I would reference 2009 Friday the Thirteenth. Would fucking never have predicted. I know. But it has become such a perfect reference point for the <laughs> wrong lessons. That, right. I brought it up at Comic-Con people, at our panel. It, it, yes, it got brought up at Comic-Con in a panel about the the bold future voices of horror. So, like, it, we are just spreading this gospel left and right. Um, to have this Jason in a season where we are talking about that Jason, which I consider, I, I, I consider these two movies to be the peak and the valley oh, of that. this entire expansive franchise. Yeah. And, and I they're think they're both two sides of the same like attempt at storytelling and and franchise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is like engagement. Like yeah. We have something that is interested in we have a movie that is interested in doing something entirely different with the franchise. And then we have a movie that is interesting, interested in doing absolutely nothing new with the franchise and playing to the worst of the context that surrounds it at the time versus a movie that is playing to some of like the most charming aspects of movies mm-hmm. at the time. That sense of quirk, that sense of fun, that sense of color. This movie's bright and colorful and as, as we've established, campy and gay. Like I think it is such a per- – it, it, they're perfect foils for one another – where we see the misogyny of horror just bleed out of the screen in Friday the 13th, 2009. And we see a possibility for a more fun way to recapture IP in a fashion that does not feel soulless and stayed and like it is insulting to me fucking personally. And so I, 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 I love that it has happened to come along in the season. It almost feels like a mouthwash after experiencing 2009 Friday the 13th to be like, oh yeah, I can believe in Jason because I can believe in Jason X. Well, Margo, thank you for being a part of our hygiene routine. I just, it's so special having you here and I I love your thoughts always. You are, uh, you're so funny and you are so intelligent (laughs) and uh, it's just an honor to be able to talk about a film that's as important to me with somebody like you and somebody like Jordan. Thank so, you so much. Where can for we find me. you on socials if you want to be found? I mm-hmm. can be found on Twitter at official underscore Margot. That is M A R G O T. Join one of the 100 followers 
on my Twitter it, account. Honestly, it's worth um, it. Listen, your it's, content yeah, is I rare and frequently, but it's yeah, it's it's always a banger. Um, <laughs> for my, yeah, I always get at least ten likes. Um, you can also find my Venmo at official underscore Margot M A R G O T. Um, you can find me and Jordan on the whole movie podcast botcast edition where podcast. we talk even more about how robots are queer icons. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's me. She's so how right. About you guys. You can find me <laughs> at Sam Wyman <laughs> on Twitter and, um, probably Instagram, but I'm not really posting there a lot. Uh, and, and just like <laughs> you can Google me and see if anything I and making came out yet because <laughs> yeah. we're yeah. doing all these in advance and also um i worked on the quiet room that's out you can go see that jordan where can we find you uh you can find me on twitter at j-o-r-c-r-u that's jor crew as always every week you can find me on the feeling scene podcast go listen to the entire thing uh the disaster girls podcast is just about three years old at this point oh my god happy I cannot almost fucking birthday believe we've been doing it for three years um, and then, as Margot mentioned, a feather in my cap, a highlight of my life, the botcast. Mm. Uh, go listen to everything from season one because it's so fucking good. Um, and really save. I would you could dive right into the ex machina double episode situation, but honestly, save yourself, save that for the end, and really reward yourself with the the best possible finale to your listening experience. So you can listen to goddamn hours of me talking if you would like. <laughs> and who wouldn't want that? And I highly recommend you should, <laughs> because you can also you can also treat yourself to go back into the previous season of Odds Tyrion and listen to me and Sam talk about almost the entirety of the I Know What You Did Last Summer TV show and Christmas movies from the 2000s. <laughs> oh, my favorite. Such a pleasure. Well, friends, I love you both. Thanks for doing this. Love you too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank love you guys, guys uh, for making the uh, crossover event of the season happen. Goodbye.